This is Matt. I'm the lead pastor at Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. My prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, If we can connect you with a local church or discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at discoverwbc.com. So I figured out how to stir the pot and get in some trouble. And uh, I had some pretty negative complaints after my first sermon and second sermon. So you guys are in uh, for a good treat. The good thing is, as I said in the second service too, uh, we are good Southern Baptists and nobody sits on the front row except for my wife. So I won't get too much stuff thrown at me this morning. Uh, you're kind of at distance here, though, so please don't. I'm kidding. Uh, I'm going to read a passage, and I'm going to go back through it. It's uh, Genesis 1, verse 28 through 31. God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. God also said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth and every tree whose fruit contains seed. This will be food for you. For all the wildlife of the earth, for every bird of the sky, and for every creature that crawls on the earth, everything having the breath of life in it, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good indeed. Evening came, and then morning, the sixth day. So I can only imagine the beauty of the garden. I think it's all it's where we all are really is is just imagining how wonderful the garden must have been. The smells, the taste, the beauty of it, and visually. Uh, the experience of walking with God and hearing him in the midst of it all in chapter two we see. All this was must have been just unbelievable. Uh, in, in the midst of thinking about that, I think about the restoration of it. We know that there's going to be a garden in heaven. We know that it's going to be much like the Garden of Eden. There's going to be a restoration of the garden into what we know as heaven. The perfection, the beauty, the health, all of those things, we all long for and desire. But I really think that it applies so well to us today to think through what heaven will be like. To think through who gets to repair heaven. I think about passages like in Matthew where it says, I go before you to prepare a place for you. I think about God preparing a place for us. I think about what it might be like when he prepares that place for us. What it might look like, smell like, taste like, all of those things. And then I come back to this verse. So I'm going to reread verse 29 to you. God also said, here's where I got in trouble. Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth and every tree whose fruit contains seed. This will be food for you. There's a potential that we're going to be vegans. Okay. The first thing that was said to me when I was walking away from that sermon was, I'm going to have me a big old fat steak. I said, I get it, man. I'm ready to smoke a brisket right now, brother. (laughs) The thought that, you know, y'all remember that song? It's like, it's a big, big house, lots and lots of food. Or a big, big table with lots and lots of food, right? There's a potential that it's not going to be a Southern Baptist potluck in heaven. And it's, it, honestly, I mean, I'm, we're thinking through it, but seriously, think about this. What heaven looks like and what the garden looks like might not be what we think it ought to look like. The problem is, like, 
when it says in Matthew that God is going before us, Jesus is going to prepare a place for us in heaven. It's that He is preparing a place for us. But how natural does it feel for us to want to prepare it for us ourselves? It's almost like, uh, as Pastor Bill says in many of the counseling books, say, uh, we don't struggle necessarily just trusting God, because we all say, I trust God, I believe in God, we have faith in God, we are Christians, those kind of things as we come into the church. But what we struggle with is wanting to be God. So it's almost as if we're trusting in ourselves, we believe in ourselves. We create a heaven that looks good to us. I want a big table with lots of food. A big old brisket on it. I want football. You know what I'm talking about when it says that in the rest of the song? It's like, where we can play football. I'm like, I don't know. You know, that's pigskin that would come off of a pig. We might not be able to do that. Uh, anyways, so you have all these things that may not be in heaven. But we also have the reality that as the Spirit of God is poured out into our hearts, heaven is here. In Joel and in Leviticus 26 and in Deuteronomy, it tells us that where God's presence is, that is heaven. So we know that God's presence is here with us through the power of the Spirit living in us. We are the images of God. And if the Spirit of God is in us and heaven is in us, then we know that right now God's eternal pleasures have been poured out into our hearts. And so we have to wrestle with this. Do we want God's eternal pleasures? Do you want right now what God has for you even if it means you might be vegan. And I know that's a little silly, and I understand Genesis 9, I think it's verse 4, that gives us the privilege now to be able to eat meat. We can, uh, we can understand that, but that's post-fall, to be fair, post-fall. So it could still be that in heaven we're vegan. You know what, though? If we are, that's going to be the best vegetables and the best fruits you've ever had in your life. It's going to be so good for you, so good tasting. It's going to be everything that's perfection. But isn't it so hard for us to believe that? It's still our first inclination. It's like, we might be vegans, and you're like, no, we're not. <laughs> we might be vegans. I'm out of steak. But in that very moment, we have to remember, even if we are, it's going to be better. It's going to be better than the juiciest steak, even if it's medium rare. It's going to be better than the best rockfish, even if it's made with J.O. or whatever your favorite is, Obey. It's still going to be better. Okay? Now, I want you to think about this, though. It's not just with vegan stuff. Think about it this way, too. The garden might shock you, and heaven might shock you, because it might be a place where you no longer can use manipulation or greed to have friendships. You might get there and be like, man, my whole life, I've, this is the way I've got friendships. I built friendships off of pride and selfishness. I built friendships off of power, manipulation. And now I can't use these things. You know, heaven might not be what you want because you might not be able to use your power to weigh over other people to get what you want. Heaven might not be exactly what you want here on earth because you might not get to talk poorly about your spouse. You might not get to be mean to her. And as my friend said afterwards, he's like, well, of course, in heaven we are only going to desire what God has given us. And it was such a good moment because it's like, that's 100% true. When you get to heaven, you're going to desire and want exactly what God wants for you. But remember... Heaven is here. His Spirit is living in you. 
God's instruction has been poured out into your heart by His Word, and His people are around you. And if you don't desire heaven now, what makes you think you're going to desire heaven then? And I think we might get to the point where we realize that heaven is actually what we created it to be. That all our life, all we desired was actually what we had created heaven to look like. And then when we get there, like, but this isn't anything what it looked like, what I thought. The hope, my hope is for you, when you get there, you're going to delight and find joy and all those good things in it, as His Word says we will. But the difficulty is, if we now think that heaven's going to be something that it's not, we might actually find hell. Because if you believe that you're the God of heaven, then you're not worshiping the God of heaven. So you need to start, I, I challenge you to start thinking differently about instructions. When God gives you an instruction, is it good? When God tells you what you ought to do, is that good for you? Is that good for you? Not, is that something you should obey? Yes. Not, is it something that's in God's Word? Yes, it's in there. Is it good for you? Because it's on this day, isn't it? On verse, in verse 31 where it says, very good indeed. I, I think about it like this. I don't want you to come into church and think every time you come to church, man, I'm, I'm very bad. Like, you can walk in here and be convicted. I can speak truth. God, other person can speak truth. You can hear God's Word preached and all those things. And you can walk out and say, man, I just feel very bad. I know I'm very bad. I need to stop and change my way. But you weren't created for that. You were created to walk in here and know that you were created very good. To know who you are in Christ and to know what His provisions are for you, His blessings are, His uh, presence is. To know all those things and experience all those things are what you were created for. Not disease, not death, not pain, not emotional distress, physical distress, sexual distress, relational distress, or spiritual distress. But health. And so I want to ask you this morning, why do you and why do we aspire for health? When's the last time somebody came up to you and said, like, hey, can you pray for my health? And right when you hear that, what do you think? You're sick. It's exactly what every other service has said. If somebody says, will you pray for my health? You think, oh, this person's physically sick. But what if we thought differently about this? What if we thought about it holistically and said, okay, biblical soul care, biblical counseling is leading us from where we are to where God has for us in relational, physical, spiritual, emotional, and sexual health. So that when we talk about, are you healthy? Or I can pray for your health. We're not just talking about physical things, but rather we're thinking about heaven. So now I'm thinking about it this way. What does heaven look like relationally? And am I experiencing that on earth? What does heaven look like physically? And am I aspiring to that on earth? And I, so I'm looking at everything in light of what heaven will look like. And so I want to walk through a few passages with you as we ask the question, what does health look like on earth and why should I strive for health with hopefully the goal of ending here? It's what you were created for. You were created for very good, not very bad. You were created for the garden, not the hell on earth that you experience. And so as we wrestle between hell on earth and heaven on earth, the Spirit of God in us and the devil lying, cheating, stealing, killing, and destroying you, we're seeking health for a biblical reason. Look at Psalm 16, verse 11 with me. 
Every verse we look at, we've already looked at in a previous sermon, and I'm bringing them all together to show you why, you should, why I believe that biblically you should seek out biblical soul care and biblical counseling for your life. Psalm 16, verse 11. You reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. We looked at this verse to see when we don't have the will that we, like the way that we need to go, when we don't know where we should go and what we should do, we know who has the path for us. You reveal the path of life to me. So we know God is the one who gives us the path on which we should go. The second thing we did, we looked at this verse, in your presence of abundant joy, when we're lonely, we know we have God's people and God himself and his presence with us. So when we're lonely, we're comforted by God's people and God's presence. But I want you to look at this last portion where it says, At your right hand are eternal pleasures. And I want you to think through, what pleasures do you want? I just want you to, first moment, to slow down and think, what pleasures do I want in this world? And if you start thinking what only what I want, what pleases me, what my desires are, what my flesh wants, what my stomach wants, what my mouth wants, what my hands want, what my feet want, and all those things, and you don't stop and say, what does God want? Then what we'll do is we'll easily gain our temporary pleasures rather than God's eternal pleasures. Now look at this, look at this with me. Psalm 1, verse 1 through 2. Psalm 1, verse 1 through 2. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, or stand in the pathway with sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. What do you delight in? We've looked at this a little bit before, but I want to I ask you again, in light of what we just saw, what do you delight in? The person who delights in the Lord's instruction is the happy person who's not in the advice of the wicked. And if you think about it, the advice of the wicked are leading you towards the devil, lying, stealing, cheating, killing, and destroying. And the Lord's instruction is leading you towards life, towards His presence and provisions. And so when we look at like biblical counsel and biblical soul care and you ask, what are we doing? We're leading people into the Lord's instructions that they might, not, that they might delight in the Lord's instructions and not the scheming of the devil. Who knows? The devil knows how to tempt you, how to lead you astray, how to craft things, create things, build things that will pull you away from the Lord's instructions and make your eyes want the things of this world rather than things God has for you. And so we know God has eternal pleasures. And we know that God has an instruction for us. What you have to do is put these two in front of you. And like a balance, you have to look at this. Do I believe the Lord's instructions are good for me? And if I do, that will lead to the eternal pleasures that He has for me. They might not be pleasures of this world. They might not be things that you think are pleasures that should be found in this world. But they are the pleasures that He has for you. And so when you look at that, you might say, if you, if you stop being pleased with what God has for you, then you'll stop trusting His instruction. If you stop trusting His instruction, then you'll stop being content and pleased with what He has for you. And they, they stay in balance. It's, it's sort of like, uh, 
for me in my life, I know that, and my mom has been told this as well by doctors, uh, we've seen evidence by looking at our genealogy that most of the people in my mom's side have had diabetes or passed away from uh, something related to diabetes, uh, whether it be heart issues or uh, some, some complication associated with diabetes. Um, so my mom and I pretty much know that's where we're headed. Now, a doctor can tell me and has told us that we need to eat healthier. If we're going to stave it off for some time, if we're going to protect ourselves against it uh, even, then we need to eat healthier. So I can look at the instruction of the doctor and I can say, no, I'm not going to follow what you want and my physical life will suffer. Or I can listen to the doctor and possibly stave off for some time uh, diabetes, or maybe for long term, stave off this disease. In the same way, we can look at the, what the Lord has for us in a similar way, not the exact same. We can look at what the Lord tells us. This is what is good for you. And we can reject it, or we can trust it. But if he says, like in this context, uh, and this is one of the hardest things you can tell teenagers or young adults, if he says, hey, the best thing for you is to, to have sex within your marriage, the best thing for your children is to have sex within your marriage. The best thing is for you not to look at porn. The best thing for you is to not cheat on your spouse. The best thing is for you to wait until you find that spouse and to be with her or be with him uh, and, and stay with him for the rest of your life. That's what is good for you. We can look at that and we can say, I don't care about that instruction. I want this other stuff. We can look at God's instruction for our physical life. And we can see that it is healthier for us to eat in a way that honors God, not overindulging. We can look at these things and we can say, this is what is good for me. Or we can look at those things and say, I don't care what God has for me. We can look at God's instruction on how we treat one another in our relationships and say, it's better for me not to lie and cheat still against my brothers and sisters and against my spouse and against my kids. And God can tell us these things, and we can go, I don't care. I know how to get my way through this life and power through these things and manipulate through these things, and I can get what I want. So we can deny the Lord's instruction and find our own pleasures, or we can trust the Lord's instruction, and, and sometimes it doesn't make sense to others. Sometimes you're going to have to make decisions that people are like, what is wrong with you? People in this world don't understand why Christians make the decisions they make. And that is good. Sometimes we need to look a little bit more like heaven than we look like the world. Sometimes we need to deliver what it's going to look like when we enter into the place that Jesus has prepared for us. That place that's full of eternal joy, eternal peace, eternal comfort. All of those things are promised today. If you think about like, okay... Uh, we often say that heaven's going to be a place where there's no crying, uh, no disease, no death, right? Uh, there's going to be all joy, all peace, and all care. But what does Scripture say today? It says that, the God, that God has granted you a peace that surpasses all understanding right now. It says that your joy will not come from people in this world or the things in this world, but it comes straight from God. And it's a joy that's greater than a happiness that fluctuates. It's a joy that is eternal. And it's for right now. 1 Corinthians tells us that we have care for one another that is from God. Because God cares for us, we can care for others. That we have care from God right now. 
And if all those things are true, then we ought to be a picture of heaven on earth for those around us to experience, to be images of God, to be those, that picture of what it looks like to be in the image of God, bearing His image and His love for the world, love for each other, and love for Him. You think about the garden. Think about it like this. In the garden, uh, we had perfect love for God, perfect love for each other, Adam and Eve, and perfect love for His creation. Why would we not want to show that right now? Why would we not aspire for beautiful relationships with our, the creation God has given us, whether it's our physical bodies or this world, with each other, like in, with our spouse or with our friends, and with God as we walk with Him in perfect harmony as His Spirit has forgiven us and freed us to walk in the presence of the Lord again? All these things have been granted to you here on earth, and so we embody heaven in this earth. Now look at this, Psalm 23, 6. Because you might be like, well, I don't understand all these things, or I'm kind of confused on heaven here and all those things. This is a passage that many of you have heard before. Psalm 23, it's, it's read at many funerals. Uh, it's read in many difficult situations. It's David in a tough situation in the valley of the shadow of death. He's going to fear no evil. Why? Because the Lord is with him. But look at verse 6. It says, Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And, and so we could say, you know, are we talking about future? Are we talking about now? What, what are we talking about here? Well, think about these three passages together. Psalm 16 tells us that God has eternal pleasures for us. Eternal. Psalm 1, 1 through 2 tells us that we ought to delight in the Lord's instructions. So you put those in balance, okay? Eternal pleasures and the Lord's instructions. I want to balance those things out. Make sure that I'm not seeking pleasure of this world, but seeking the pleasures of God. So I need to follow after His instruction. But those pleasures are not just for the future or for heaven. They're for now. As long as I live, only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And so now you can start to think about things different. When you walk throughout your life and when you, when you ask yourself, should I do this? Should I do that? Should I have this? And should I have that? When you ask yourself all those questions and you think about health, what is emotional health, spiritual health, relational, sexual, and uh, uh, what the other one is? I got it. When you think about all those different healths, are you asking yourself the question, what would it look like for me to have a heavenly health today? Maybe that for you today would look like you having a uh, choosing to cultivate a friendship that is healthy, or choosing to cultivate a friendship, uh, a relationship with food that is healthy, not too much and not too little, or choosing a physical health today based on Scripture that honors the body that God has given us, to choose to do with the body that God has given us good and not. Uh, choose to do with it evil or wickedness or choose to put in it things that are not good for it. Choose today a healthy sex life in every age. When, you, when uh, Every age of your life, choosing what is appropriate for that specific season of life in a healthy way. And, and, and finally, thinking about this, because this is speaking to me more than anything, this is probably something that my uh, D group and my wife would probably speak to me the most. What would it look like for us to consider a healthy, unhurried Sabbath rhythm in your schedule? 
to balance rest and work, to fight for time with the Lord. Consider this. In heaven, God has promised you rest. Amen? Is this true? And if so, and God's Spirit is here now, and His peace, and His calm, and His care, and His uh, truth, and His joy, and all those things are here now, would we not want to experience His rest right now? But I understand because I like to work hard. My wife knows this. I like to work hard here. I like to work hard at home. It is extremely hard for me to sit. I don't do well with sitting down. I like to go, 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 go. Okay, so for me, it's like forced. i got to sit and stop and spend time with the Lord and be still. But I understand this is so much easier just for me to say than it is to implement. That's why biblical soul care and biblical counseling is so important. Think about it. If I told you, would you like to have a healthy friendship? What do you think you would say? Well, yeah. I want a healthy friendship, but what if that meant that you had to get rid of, as the famous pastor said, be killing sin or it'll be killing you. What if that means that you've got to be killing some of that sin in your life that has caused you to thrive in your mind relationally? Things like power, things like manipulation, things like greed, things like selfishness, things like lying and cheating, stealing. Those things that you set up in your life that work, like you figured out how to get some relationships. You might even figure out how to get a spouse doing it. But they're not healthy patterns for a healthy relationship, and they're not the Lord's instruction for your life. And so now you've got to wrestle with, yeah, I want a healthy relationship. And the Lord comes to you and says, well, here's these things. And maybe it comes through biblical soul care or biblical counsel in your life. You're like, well, here's the Lord's instruction. Do I want that? But remember, you balance the Lord's instruction and you balance the eternal pleasures that are for today, according to Psalms. So those eternal pleasures that have been given today come through the Lord's instruction in your life. And you've got to balance, am I going to obey the Lord's instructions? Do I want this for my life? And I know it's funny. And I know, I know, I understand. It's, it's kind of silly. But if the Lord told you that heaven, you were, in heaven you were going to be vegan, are you going to be okay? Because today, the Lord might tell you to do something that is good for you. It is very good for you. But in your mind, because often what we do is we become our own gods, we've told ourselves over and over and over that it's not good for us. Rachel, am I lying on this one? There was a season in my life where I cooked chocolate chip cookies every single night. (laughs) Right? It's in Texas. Not when I was here. It's in Texas. I would get in bed, and my heart was pounding. I'm like, what is wrong with me? Why am I so sick? Like, what am, what am I doing? And my heart's messed up, all these things. Turns out, you just probably shouldn't eat chocolate chip cookies every night. So, had to change that up. Y'all, it's been four years since I've had a chocolate chip cookie. And look, everybody, after every service so far, has said, I'm going to make you a sugar, uh, sugar-free chocolate chip cookie. Don't make me a sugar-free chocolate chip cookie. There's two things that are going to happen. One, I'm going to reject it. Am I right? Every cookie that's, that's put in front of me or donut that's put in front of me, I'm going to reject it. I apologize. I love you. I care about your cooking. I think it's awesome, but I'm not going to eat your cookie. Okay? But I'm so thankful that you would cook it for me. Um, 
And the second thing that's going to happen is, uh, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that second one. <laughs> there was something else. I can't remember what it was. I had one. It's gone. Anyways, y'all, there's things in your life that you got to get rid of that you once loved. And when I was seven years old, I had a dream about donuts. I've told you this before. I had a dream about donuts. I woke up from it screaming. My dad said, what's the matter? I said, I got sick because I ate so many donuts. <laughs> I loved donuts. It's been four years since I've had a donut. Oh, I like donuts. My family had donuts this whole week from Shipley's Donuts. If you've ever been to Shipley's, you know what I'm talking about. It's a southern thing. There's one in Baltimore now, though. Uh, I'm not trying to tempt you. But anyways, you, we've got to look at our life and go, okay, there's things that are good for us. There's things that are bad for us. And sometimes we just simply don't know what is good for us. Heaven's going to be, I mean, amazing. There's going to be some wonderful, I, I can think about it now, how, how amazing it's going to be, better than anything you could ever experience on this earth. But when we think about heaven here now, do you want it? Do you want those things? Do you want a healthy physical life, a healthy relational life, a healthy sexual life, a healthy emotional life, and a healthy spiritual life? Right now. And I want to challenge you towards this. I want to, I want to challenge you to three, really three things that are going to be supplemented by a challenge. Delight in God's goodness. It's going to be on the screen, so you can take a picture of that or write it down. But I really want to challenge you towards this. Delight in God's goodness, delight in God's provisions, and delight in God's presence. Now, once we do that, once we figure those things out, okay, what does it look like for God's goodness, provisions, and presence to be something that I'm delighting in? want nothing more and want nothing less than that. As we've defined contentment out, that's, that's sort of, I think, where we've landed, at least where I've landed biblically, is contentment is really desiring nothing more or nothing less than what God provides. So when you find God's goodness, provisions, and presence in your life, don't want any more than that or any less than that, and then lead others towards all those things. So I'm looking for God's goodness. Uh, it's like Psalm 27, 13 through 14. I'm certain that I will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart be courageous. Wait for the Lord. It says, I'm certain that I will see the Lord's goodness. So delight in God's goodness. Delight in God's provisions. Uh, uh, chapter 82 of Psalm and chapter 104 of Psalm. Write those down for God's provision. One is about God's justice because uh, material things aren't all that God provides. In a world full of materialism, it's easy to think that God's provisions, even when I say it, provisions, we think material. But the greatest provision that God gives those who are vulnerable is justice. True justice. So 82 is about justice, and 104 is about provision. Listen to it. He causes grass, uh, provision of material things. He causes grass to grow for the livestock and provides crops for man to cultivate, producing fruit from the earth, wine that makes heart, human hearts glad, making his face shine with oil, and bread that sustains human hearts. God is a God who provides for his people. But his presence is also something to delight in. Psalm 16:11, which we looked at today. You're in your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. In that, we should desire nothing more than this. Psalm 37, 16, the little that the righteous person has is far greater, uh, far greater than the abundance of many wicked people. So we desire nothing more, but we also desire nothing less. Psalm 37, verse 4, take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the pleasures of your, uh, the desires of your heart. 
take delight in the Lord and He will give you your heart's desires. So what we see is if we delight in the Lord's instruction, He gives us the desires of our hearts. Why? Because we recognize the provisions and the blessings of God are going to be one thing. We start to delight in those things. He provides them for us and now our heart is actually delighting and desiring what is good. And we're shaping our heart for heaven. So then when we get to heaven, it's not a shock factor. It's not like, well, I didn't know it was going to be like this. Yes, you did. You've been shaping your heart around it. You've been tuning your heart to love and not to power and greed. You've been tuning your heart to love and not to manipulation and lying. You've been tuning your heart towards God's goodness and not the devil's lying, cheating, stealing, deceiving. So heaven's not shocking to those who have been living in heaven. So I challenge you to start thinking through what does it look like for me to experience heaven today? So as a response to um, the question, why should we desire health? Why should we desire biblical counsel and biblical soul care? Because biblical counsel and soul care lead to health physically, emotionally, relationally, sexually, and spiritually. Biblical counsel and soul care leads to health. So why should we desire this health? It's what you were created for. The goal of health, the goal of spiritual counsel, the goal of all these things is to be restored into what God originally said about you. Very good. And so my gospel response for me this morning is rooted in what Christ did for you. He came and lived life, died, and raised from the dead so that the Spirit would be poured out in you. Heaven would be near to you. God's instructions would be clear to you, and you'd be able to do those. You know what the hardest thing about uh, all this is? You know, the gospel is really the truth that helps us with this hardest, most difficult thing about counsel. Biblical counsel in our life, you can hear it all day long. People can tell you what is good for you. God's Word can tell you what is good for you. God's Word, Spirit, people can tell you what is right. You can hear the Lord's instruction. And it can still be extremely difficult to follow it. We can hear it all day long. We're like, man, I, I know that's good for me, but I, I don't want that. Or, or maybe we hear it and we're like, I don't know if that's good for me because I've set so many things up in my mind that I, I don't know if that is actually good for me. We hear all these things. It's so hard to do what God has called us to do. Because there's so many things that are pulling us away from it. The devil is good at what he does. He wants to pull you away from what God has for you. And so I've found a lot of, a lot of comfort in, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says, His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. When I think about my life and in your life, when you feel like, man, I'm too weak, I don't have what I need, I don't have the strength, the will, the desire, the spirit to be able to do what God has called me to do, remember this, His divine power has everything, not something, not a little bit of everything, not a little bit, everything. His divine power has everything required for life and for godliness. You want to know what it's like to experience the goodness of God the very good declaration of your life, the health in this world, true health, not what the world promises, not what a vitamin promises, not what a workout plan promises, not what a self-help book promises. You want to know what true life, holistic health and life looks like. His divine power has everything required and needed to be able to sustain and find what God wants for you and what is good, what is actually very good for you. 
So I hope that you, in this moment and in, through these days, will experience and recognize God's heaven on earth for you. Very good for you today. And, and in order to do that, I want to give you three gospel responses as the band comes forward. First, trusting God's goodness and strength in your own health. Trust in God's goodness and strength in your unhealth. As you let that unhealth bubble up to the surface and communicate that to brothers and sisters, trust God's goodness and strength because 2 Peter 1.3, His his divine power has everything. We're trusting God. Now, if you say, if you look around right now and you're like, man, I don't need biblical counsel, I don't need biblical soul care because biblical soul care is a mandate for all of us. We all ought to be giving biblical soul care to each other, wisdom and truth to each other. If you're like, man, I just don't need this, Matt, here's the thing. I'm trying. I try to say this graciously. I say this oft. I probably often. I want, but I do want to say this graciously. If you're at a place where you say, "I don't think there's anything that needs to bubble up that's unhealth," there is one thing that you need to start with, and it's the one thing that prevents all other things be, to be able to be wrestled with, and it's pride. So if you feel like there's nothing you need to work through, there is one thing you need to work through. And it's the hardest thing to get through. Because it's the one thing that you don't want any other people or words or God to speak into. And brothers and sisters, I challenge you to let that unhealth bubble up to the surface. And if it's being pushed down, to deal with pride. And second, take a special season of simplicity, solitude, and fasting to consider your desire for goodness and health in every area of your life. Pastor Bill and I are working on this. What we're doing is we're looking through um, how... uh, This this week we've looked at why you should... uh, consider health and biblical counsel and biblical soul care for your life. Next week we're going to look at how you can do that for one another. So I've talked through Psalms and and tried to apply Psalms to maybe some of the struggles you're dealing with. But what we want to do is show you how you can do it yourself for one another. So in that, I want to show you uh, how to take a special season of your life for simplicity, solitude, and fasting to look at what is good for you in the midst of that unhealth that has bubbled up to the surface and you're wrestling with it and saying, what is good for me in this area? And then finally, I want you to consult, as we say, God's Word, Spirit, and people. God's Word, Spirit, and people on how you can proceed into goodness and health in every area of your life. Let God's Word, God's Spirit, and God's people speak into your life His instruction. And then as you have His instruction, you have to ask yourself, am I God or is He? Is His way better or is mine? I'm going to pray for you this morning, and I hope that you'll respond in whatever way God leads you. Uh, Talk to somebody around you. I'll be up front if you want to talk, and I can pray over you. Or remember, I always want you to remember, if you need help, email counsel at discoverwbc.com. It's only accessible by the pastors. Our eyes are on it, all three of us, for your protection and confidentiality. It's only us, and uh, you can email that so that we can get you help uh, as soon as possible. Let me pray for you. God, we love you and we trust you. We believe that you have a plan for us. Your way is good. Your blessings and provisions are even even better than anything in this world. Anything in this world can offer. Your divine strength is able to help us to do what you've called us to do. And so, Father, I pray that we would love and delight in your instruction. That we would meditate on it day and night. 
that we'd be satisfied, not wanting more or less than what you provide for us. I pray, Father, right now in this moment that you would break down so many barriers and so many entanglements of the heart in this room, that you would tear them down, that we might find health, that we might find how you created us to be very good. Father, we love you and we trust your work. Pray this in your son's name. Amen. Have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.